This is episode four of The Multiplier Effect with Candace Matthews Brackeen, founder and CEO of Lightship Capital. Welcome, everyone, to The Multiplier Effect, an Endeavor NWA podcast. Our little meetup group now in the last five years has raised about $60 million through our own projects. By its sixth month, became 75 founders, funders, and friends. And we've got organizations like Endeavor, which supports entrepreneurs starting a $100 million fund to invest in companies. Regionally, all of us really have to work together to highlight the heartland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Multiplier Effect. If you're jumping into this episode and joining us for the first time, welcome. For the past three weeks, we've committed ourselves to answering entrepreneurs' questions related to funding by launching an investor series, where we unpack all the considerations entrepreneurs should take into account as they face the aftermath of this crisis. And we've been joined by a few of our favorite investors on both the coasts and in the heartland to explore these challenges together. This week, Janem and I wanted to explore trends we've seen happening in the VC landscape. And something we've noticed is that founders everywhere are taking advantage of this unique opportunity to gain the attention of funders near and far and even begin to forge relationships with their dream funds, who they may not or likely did not previously have access to. And we wanted to ask the question, why is that? The team at Lightship Capital says country club networking might be a thing of the past. Digital sourcing and network strategies have always been here for us. And for those based outside of massive tech hubs, this is certainly nothing new. There are a variety of tools that exist to connect entrepreneurs to the right investors. And we are thrilled to be welcoming Candace on the show today to talk about how Lightship Capital is leading these trends in investing through their educational programs and digital pitch competitions. So to give you a little bit of background on Candace, Candace Matthews Brackeen is the founder and CEO of Lightship the Cincinnati-based portfolio service firm and fund whose family of companies include entrepreneur education programs Hillman and Numi. Lightship companies work together in support of tech-driven startups led by underrepresented entrepreneurs. And as CEO of Hillman, the first entrepreneur education program in the Midwest, providing support exclusively to WMBEs, Candace has influenced state policy around economic inclusion, in addition to establishing meaningful partnerships with companies like Procter & Gamble, Kroger, and Chase in support of Hillman's work. Candace has over 15 years of entrepreneurial experience, including co-founding Hello Parent, a national safety technology partner of the Brady Campaign to Reduce Gun Violence, and the American Academy of Pediatrics. She later founded the Cincinnati chapter of the Black Founders Network to address the need for increased diversity and inclusion efforts in the local entrepreneurial ecosystem. So check out our website to learn some additional organizations that she's involved with. Her background is inspirational, and we're excited to be learning from her today. So with that, Janam, kick us off. So I'm so excited to welcome Candace. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. And most importantly, we want to make sure you and your family and your community are safe and healthy and sane in this crisis. We are happy and healthy here in the state of Ohio. Wonderful. So we're particularly excited to have Candace here because I think her mission and what she's done with Lightship Capital and all the programming underneath that is so focused on what we're focused on, which is really giving people access to mentorship and opportunity that historically haven't had access to that. So Candace, we'd love to hear more about your background, what led you to Lightship Capital, the fact that you have five brothers. I definitely want you to touch on that. So uh, kick it off for us. Yeah. So, you know, I'm originally from Toledo, Ohio. I am one of six children. I'm the only girl. 
Uh, it was a his, hers, and ours family. So um, there, I had brothers who lived in other homes, um, but on the weekends, we were really all together. Um, but as a girl and the only girl, I was kind of like out there having to kind of fight those boys every day. And I think that <laughs> grit and determination fed through the rest of my life. So um, when I left Toledo to go to the University of Cincinnati, I got a scholarship to study economics and statistics and really fell in love with game theory and um, niche markets. I realized once I graduated that I wasn't a sit still kind of person. During that time period of uh, actually being in school, I took a gap year and became a flight attendant. I cannot believe you guys have done such amazing research, but um, I was a flight attendant for a little (laughs) while. And um, I love that. But when I graduated, I realized that I I just couldn't sit in an office. Um, I decided to become a personal trainer. I spent some time kind of getting to know prenatal and postpartum fitness um, and then started my own mom and baby fitness company that then rolled into two fitness studios here in Cincinnati that's mainly focused on women. Um, but in the, like, the time, you know, the other part of my life, like that was my passion project. Um, I was also consulting for small to medium-sized companies, helping them to restructure their marketing and sales divisions, bringing on new leadership, and then transitioning and doing that kind of over and over. I did that for the better part of 12 years. Somewhere in there, I met my first husband. We had two wonderful children. And when the oldest got to kindergarten, he is now going into eighth grade. Uh, when wow. the, Yeah, <laughs> like it's been a while. So when the oldest got to kindergarten, he was invited on a play date. It took us a long time to schedule. We went back and forth over like voicemail and um, text message. And when we finally got it scheduled on the, on the day of the play date, I went to pick him up and the mom wasn't there. There was a, there was a nanny, which is kind of happened sometimes, you know, with kids at private school and the nanny's like, Oh, he's somewhere around here. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I go around this like 10,000 square foot house I'm looking for my child. He's in one of the bedrooms playing call of duty. Now as a kindergartner, <laughs> like, not cool, like not cool, Robert Frost at all. So like, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's playing Call of Duty with his friend and his friend is sitting on the bed next to him shouting expletives at the TV screen. And you can hear like it's the online version. So I realized like in that moment, I hadn't like set expectations with the other parent and I left. We, <laughs> he never did a play date with him again. I realized in that moment that there had to be a better way. And then I found a, a friend. We decided to start an app company. Uh, we went through a local accelerator here in the Cincinnati area. And that was kind of my first foray into you know raising any venture capital. We raised capital. And as we started to run out of capital, I realized that women and people of color have a problem in this space. Mm-hmm. I hadn't run into any issues in my life to that point. I really didn't feel like I had hit any brick walls or glass ceilings. Any of those things didn't really happen to me. And then I, I found out what the stats were. And so when our company ran out of money, I got together with a group of friends and we started kind of just like a meetup group. This was June of 2015. That meetup group was called the Black Founders Network here in Cincinnati. One of the first 11 members was Bjorn from Venture Noir. He had a company called Wiser at the time and his company was coming into town to join the Brandery Accelerator. And they were kind of, they were the first diverse group of founders that that accelerator had had in its like first five years. And so there was an issue in our city and our our little meetup group of 11 now in the last five years has raised about $60 million through our own projects. And that 
that little meetup group by its sixth month became 75 founders, funders, and friends. Um, and we dreamed up the idea of get of, of forming an accelerator. And so in June, January of 2017, we got a grant from the state of Ohio, of which my co-founders and I matched along with some foundations and launched an accelerator support women and people of color, actually just people who are underrepresented in tech. So that includes veterans, the disabled, and the LGBTQ community. So we just love a diverse team. We feel like that's the most important thing. We invested $100,000 in three companies the first year. Those companies went on to raise $2.2 million in the first 90 days post the accelerator. We ran another class in 2018 of five companies. We took a break for a year to acquire NUMI Accelerator, which we renamed NUMI Bootcamp, which is a one-week program that we offer throughout the country. And now this year, um, you know, we're launching Lightship Capital, which is our venture fund that supports all of these things. I think the lesson I've learned from talking to incredible investors is that they have gone through the trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur, of failing, of succeeding, of finding smart people to work with, no matter what they look like and where they live and really what their ideas are and really supporting those ideas. And you clearly have done that. It's, it's so impressive. And I love hearing that story. I have a question for you about New Me Bootcamp, and everyone should look this up if they haven't heard about it before. But obviously, it's this incredible one week intensive that, you know, where people live in the same house and they have this learning experience. So how do you recreate that in a post-COVID environment? You know, that's going to be the hard part, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so for, yeah. for us, we are transitioning and building a small platform called New Me Now, along with our friends over at Amazon Web Services. Uh, so it will be part self-guided and part virtual with the current folks that we're teaching. My spouse, Brian Brackeen, actually is the facilitator. And so we will bring him together with the folks from Amazon Web Services and some of our other mentors to run the program virtually. We can't wait to get back in a house with folks, but we just don't know how long this thing is going to last. Yeah. And I think being able to figure out what that next wave of interconnectivity looks like if it's virtual is going to be really hard. And I'm excited that you're one of the people who are addressing, you know, the problems that we're going to have. Yeah. But um, tell me a little bit more about Lightship Capital. So are you in the fundraising mode right now? We are in the fundraising mode right now, but you know, I, I can say that it's going really well. We have had our first close. And so we, you know, there is capital in the fund and I'm it looks like we're going to exceed our goal, which is really, really huge for a, a group in the Midwest. So yeah, we are in fundraising mode. It hasn't really slowed us down. We've, we really anticipated that it was going to slow us down, but that's not happened. It's actually been better because we have this captive audience of LPs um, that have nothing else to do but find good deals. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and how is that? I mean, I love I love talking to investors who are in fundraising mode in this environment because I think it gives entrepreneurs a lot of context around what's working and what's not. So are you doing all these calls and Zoom? And these are presumably people you've had relationships with, but are you also talking to people you've never spoken to before in this context? And what has that been like? Yeah, we are absolutely talking to people we have never talked to before. Um, and we've actually raise more money from them. But wow, but plenty, plenty of people um, were there before. And now we just have more time to have like really normal conversations. You're getting to see people in their living rooms and their home offices and their kids are running around in the background or their kids are sitting on their laps. 
Um, you can hear their yes. dogs barking. <laughs> and so suddenly, like, we're all becoming more human to each other. And so I feel like the the relationships are strengthened as, I mean, before they were great relationships and you do go out and you have dinner and lunch and coffee with people, but there's something about being in someone's home. And virtually, I don't think really makes that big of a difference. So anything I would say to a founder right now is, you know, take advantage of this time. And if you have a great idea, you will get an investment. Um, and that's what we have here. We have a, a, you know, a great thesis for the group of people that we're investing in and how we're going to invest. And if they have a great company, you know, I know that investors are still out there investing. I'm seeing it every day in our region and beyond. So there is still a strong possibility, but also investors are holding back some of their capital to really triage and take care of their current portfolio of companies. Yes, yes, absolutely. And we've heard that from all the investors we've spoken with thus far. So it's, it's an excellent point you make. And before we move on to a little bit more about the thesis of Lightship Capital and what you're hoping to do, I'm curious of, of those different jobs that you did, and you've had some incredibly different experiences. <laughs> what were the takeaways? What, what were the things, lessons learned that you had that maybe would be valuable for people who are still in that exploration phase of their careers? Oh my goodness. You know, it, it, I, I tried everything, right? It sounds like it. Um, <laughs> and for me, becoming a flight attendant was really about coming from a humble upbringing and to that date, and you know, before I was 21, I had never been on an airplane. And really at that point, that's all I wanted to do. Um, so I, I decided to take a gap year so that I could travel and I really got lucky to, to be there at Delta. And so what would I say to a, a founder is, you know, try everything you can before you have the responsibilities of life. You know, for me, I have two boys, I'm over 40. Some of these things I wouldn't have been able to do then. So try it now. We have an intern that started with us recently. She's a high school senior. She's going to be going here locally to the University of Cincinnati. And I find it to be equally important that she has a voice in the room. And I really do believe that young people have the greatest ideas and, and haven't been, uh, haven't been limited. Their, their, uh, their imaginations haven't been limited yet. Um, and so use all of that that you have now and don't be afraid before, before you're, you're kind of old and crotchety and you have all these responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm right there with you, uh, over 40 with two boys. So I, I feel what you're saying. And, and I think finding one of my, my kindergartner watching or playing Call of Duty would definitely inspire some businesses as well. So I, I'm with you on that. Um, okay, so let's go to Lightship Capital, which so what kind of obviously companies uh, founded by entrepreneurs who are underrepresented in that whole category that you just spoke about really in the middle of the country, which we're calling the heartland. But you know, what kind of companies are there specific industries that you guys want to focus on that maybe have changed from when you originally launched Lightship to where we are today because of, you know, the challenges that companies are facing right now? Yeah, we're, um, we're investing in in kind of five key areas. So consumer packaged goods and services, e-commerce, sustainability, AI, and healthcare. Um, and those are, are sectors that we are really good at here in the region and throughout the Midwest. AI is a focus simply because, well, a, <laughs> The entire we're, everything <laughs> everything kind of revolves around AI at this point. But my general partner and also spouse Brian Brackeen ran a facial recognition AI company called Kairos for the better part of eight years, and he has you kind know, of deep industry experience, subject matter expertise, and so that one is really important to us. Consumer packaged goods and services, obviously, in Cincinnati, we are home to a, you know a kind of a huge corporation called Procter and Gamble, who has been in consumer packaged goods 
been in services for a very, very long time. You guys are down there in Arkansas. So we have one of your bigger competitors to the Walmart family here. It's a company that starts with a K and I won't even mention it. Here on the call, right. but so there's a reason why we're focused on you know CPG and e-commerce, healthcare. I believe that that's just incredibly important. As we are all aging and living longer, we need to also be healthier in our lives. And then sustainability. Again, back to the fact that I have children, and I'd like for my children and grandchildren to have a place to live and breathe. You know, as they as they come of age. I, I think that the all those industries are going to be especially relevant in a post-COVID world, our supply chain and what that means for CPG products, obviously sustainability, as you mentioned, I think healthcare is going to be, that's an area everybody seems to be focusing on in different ways and different aspects, the telehealth being a big part of that. So we're really excited to hear that you're focusing on that, especially for entrepreneurs that are in Arkansas and Ohio and, and around around the areas that haven't historically been accessed by investors. So, so wonderful to hear that. So I think this is a little bit of a, you know, it's a sadder question, but, you know, how do historically underrepresented entrepreneurs Entrepreneurs, especially with the challenges they're facing today, especially with the rates of infection affecting entrepreneurs of color disproportionately, how did they then access capital in this in this period when when their concerns on the hierarchy are much bigger now and they're about health and wellness rather than entrepreneurship and scaling companies? I think they're getting incredibly creative and they're taking sometimes taking personal risk. And so I would say the personal risk side is sometimes really, really scary. The creativity side, I think some are leveraging grants more than they ever could before. You know, we've supported a company through a grant process to help them build out a new lab so that they can spend time in the lab during this time of COVID, really improving, um, building out their, their patent portfolio and making sure that they're spending this time that they could have never done before. On the personal risk side, you know, I have a founder who company is still doing really well, but in order to not go down this path of potentially folding a really good company, he has already sold his home. And so, wow. you know, that is incredible. And now he's living kind of in a multi-generational household with other family members. And so th that is, you know, the key difference. And he's, um, he's making sure that the team can continue to work and while scary, I, I also know that he sees a path forward. It's not, it's not so much about the fact that he didn't have money. It was the fact that he needed enough to make sure that it was still going to thrive. I think also, you know, some founders are really putting things on pause and, and realizing that this is just not the time. They're going on to do other things, but knowing that they'll come back when they can. Um, and others are just making hard decisions and realizing that it could be a few years and it, this is just not the right time for their company. I mean, I still see checks being written, you know, companies are being acquired. We had a local company here that was working in supplier diversity called Connexus that was acquired last week. And so um, it's still happening. It's not all dire. The ones that had great companies still have great companies. It's just a little tougher right now. And I think you guys obviously as a resource for them, but we've posted some similar resources on our Endeavor NWA page. So please check it out if you're listening and need extra help and support in this time. Maybe shifting a little bit to something that's fun and completely virtual and so hopefully safe is the Twitch pitch. Will you tell us a little bit about oh, that? Oh my goodness, Twitch pitch. So, you know, I really have been missing people before this, you know, like sometimes <laughs> you get to the end of the week and you're like, you just feel like you can't people anymore. I need people so bad right now. And so uh, we were just trying to figure out what can we do to engage with 
engage with our clients and really bring in more pipeline. And so I said to the team, I would love to do a pitch competition. I'm seeing around me that lots of people are doing pitch competitions and we've never been a one-off kind of team. I said, what if we created some somewhat of a series and put a little bit of cash behind it and see how it goes? And um, the team came back and they were like, what if we tried on Twitch? And I was like, like my kids play video games on Twitch and stream on there. And they're like, yeah. And they were like, there's, they're really starting to push, um, you know, kind of talk shows and game shows. What if we put it on Twitch? We would be the first kind of venture team doing anything like this. And so that's what we decided to do. We came up with a great logo and started to, uh, we just kind of put it up online. We had a really fun phone call with the folks at Amazon Web Services. And they're like, hey, did you guys know we actually own Twitch? And we're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) My research is not all that great. So Amazon owns Twitch and they were like, we can help you get some support for running Twitch Pitch. Um, And they've been incredibly helpful. And then we just randomly had a, did some outreach and PitchBook came on as a partner. So really what Twitch Pitch is, is a, is 12 companies going against each other in three separate rounds. And there are three judges who vote. It's the three investors at Lightship Capital. So myself, Brian Brackeen and Alexis Alston. We allow the viewers to also have a vote We'll take the first 12 teams, whittle them down to six, then down to three, and then have a grand prize winner. And we're doing that over the next, I guess now, four more weeks on Twitch. What what makes a great, what makes a winner in Twitch? And how, how do you determine that? Because they only have, how many minutes do they have? Is it four minutes they in terms of submitting their video or what is what's what makes a great twitch winner what, Twitch pitch winner? what make it they have to have a great company right and so we're looking for highly scalable venture backable companies that we could potentially invest in so we're not just here to like give this five thousand dollar grant we're really looking for companies to become a member of our portfolio we are always going to love those five key sectors that we are interested in investing in but you know if if something comes along we we ought we will be opportunistic and invest in that type of company. We love a company that's already proven their concept is generating revenue if that's kind of the right thing for their particular sector. But, you know, a great founder that we know can go out and and raise capital if need be or bootstrap and has a great team. So, you know, founders and teams come first with a great, strong idea. I love defensible IP. And so things that are kind of deeply scientific or, or have some sort of, you know, patent protection is always a great one. But, you know, we're also looking for fresh new ideas too, that we can support over time. They may not make it to the show, but they may make it into some of our programming and get support in other ways. So that's really what we're looking for overall. And people can still apply. So please check it out, right? Twitch pitch. It's a uh... We will check that and yeah. add it in. So it's twitch.com backslash lightship capital. Um, or you can just go to our website, lightship.capital, and you can find all of the information to apply. And yes, we're taking applications through um, Tuesday for this season. And season two of Twitch Pitch starts in July. Excellent. Okay. We're close to running out of time, but I want to go to the next segment of our show and really ask you a couple of things that we think are so relevant for investors and entrepreneurs themselves in this day and age. But one of them is the give back goals. So we at Endeavor envision a world where people can accomplish anything when they have access to opportunity and resources. Our selection criteria for Endeavor entrepreneurs is to have a mentality of give back to become future mentors and investors and influencers for the next generation of companies. So Candice, uh, on a more personal level, what are your give back goals? And are the goals that 
that you may already be accomplishing or goals? That um, you know, our goal as a family is to create a family foundation that gives back to our community. The goal is to do that through our local community foundation. There are several, not several, there are hundreds of families that have donor advised funds that are able to give back. And for us as a family, that's our goal. We've set aside financial goals yearly. And within that, give, giving back actually is at the top of the list. And I, I find that to be incredibly important for everyone to think about that first. We may not live in a time where everyone kind of tithes like they used to in church and giving back. Um, but I do believe that if you're going to be saving for your own future, you also need to be giving to others so that they have a stronger future as well. I love that. And uh, I do hope our listeners think about that. It's something that we struggle with in our family and, and what, what are our goals and how do we think about it? So on a personal level, I love hearing about that. Um, our next segment is the call me crazy moment, which is uh, the founder of Endeavor, Linda Rotenberg, has always said, call me crazy. Crazy is a compliment. So we try to ask each guest on our show. What oh, has Lord. Been your um, crazy you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to just let it be real, <laughs> real. Um, so in, let's see, um, January of 2018, um, I got divorced. January 25th of 2018, I got divorced. Two weeks later, I went to uh, Black Tech Week in Miami and ran into this guy that I had not seen in a long time, except for at any of the conferences. His name was Brian Brackeen. And we just happened to like strike up a conversation, went over to the Soho house and, and hung out. I didn't realize it was a date because I had been off the market for a really, really long time. And uh, six weeks later, <laughs> we got engaged. Right. And call me crazy January of 2019 <gasps> uh we got married <laughs> and now we're raising a fund together and it's fantastic so it worked out which is yeah I mean that's wow that's an incredible story and one that just goes to show that uh you know being at the right place at the right time is also so important yeah. in addition to being prepared and, and and being ready but I love hearing that that's great Okay. And lastly, these are some quick and digestible thoughts for our uh, listeners. Uh, and so if you want to just finish my sentence, uh, okay. we can, we can get to know you a little bit better. What, this is the time I oh, wake, I wake up, up and this is the time I go to bed. I wake up at 6.45 and I go to bed at 10.15. What Gosh, is your secret? I read before bed and occasionally, um, you know, I take a melatonin. So that's, and I have two kids. So we're, we're on a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, oh, so what are you reading right now? I, oh, the book, the book I'm, I'm, right I'm actually is... rereading the Hunger Games trilogy. So I'm currently on Mockingjay because the um, prequel to Hunger Games is coming out, I believe, next week. So I, I was reading them again to uh, be able to go back to the prequel and better understand it. You are now my favorite <laughs> person in the world because I love the Hunger Games trilogy. And I, I did not know the prequel was yes. coming out. And now it is going on my to read list. So thank you for that. I, I, every, I, you know, I've gotten a lot of like really serious books and books about entrepreneurship and investment, and <laughs> which are also very important, but I love your answer. What, how these, this is how much. Oh, they have no idea what I, what do. I do. For a <laughs> <laughs> they just don't understand why people give me money to give other people money. My dad just does not understand it. So um, yeah, no idea. They have no idea. <laughs> There's no description. My siblings, my siblings think I'm a celebrity. No idea. So, um, yeah, there we are. <laughs> uh, I love that answer. And I also, I think you're a celebrity. You've done such amazing work. And if you guys haven't checked out Candace, definitely Google her. She's incredible. Okay. Um, one habit that I've developed. In the oh, I've fallen back is... into the habit of um, cooking like from scratch. 
So um, that has been amazing. And I hope that we can carry that over to post-COVID world is actually like pausing for dinner instead of working through dinner. That it's been my favorite thing, but also I'm I'm kind of approaching that COVID nineteen pounds at this point. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you but know we have a thing we fall in love with impossible beef, like the and so we're like remaking a lot of our favorite things. So like it's just been a lot of like lasagna and bouillonnaise. Like we made a great bouillonnaise sauce and then used that in our lasagna. Uh, two nights ago and it was amazing <laughs> excellent okay and this is sort of our last question which is, is oh there anything my goodness you asked lots of great questions um no i think you nailed it and uh you know endeavor just always surprises and delights you guys are an amazing crew of people and doing great work around the world so i appreciate all the questions well thanks so much candace uh thank you for joining us on the show and we want to just take a few seconds if you want to share anything with our audience about how they can find you any handles or websites that our listeners should check out to learn more about you or uh, Lightship. I know we've said a couple yeah, of already. Yeah, so you can find me at Candace Brackeen. Brackeen has two E's, B-R-A-C-K-E-E-N. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Also, please check out our website, lightship.capital. And there you can find all of the information for Hillman Accelerator, Newbie Bootcamp, and Lightship Capital, as well as now Twitch Pitch. Excellent. So we would love to have you back on the show when we can all be closer than six feet apart. Um, and your advice and thoughts have been invaluable to me and our entrepreneurs. So thank, thank you to you. everyone listening from home and stay safe. Many thanks to Candace for joining us on the show today. For more information about Lightship Capital and the team, visit their website at lightship.capital. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. You can find additional information about this episode on our website at endeavornwa.org. See you next week for an all new episode. Until then, thanks for joining us and stay safe. <laughs>